We're going to have a good time today in the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit will visit us and strengthen us, and that the Word will be living, and a very timely Word, a very fresh Word for us, just like fresh baked bread coming out of the oven. Praise the Lord. So let's get ready to feast on the Word of God today. Before we jump into today's message, let's first of all receive the holy tithes and offerings and bring them into the storehouse of God. I want to read a really neat verse to you from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Now you may know this verse by heart, and you're familiar with it, but I I don't want you to tune out just because you've heard it before. I want you to have it expounded in your understanding so that you can live by the rules and the systems that Jesus has implemented for the benefit of the believer. Verse 33, Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Well, what does it mean to seek first his kingdom? I think it's important to understand that whenever there's a kingdom, there's a uh, direct reference to the king. You can't really have a kingdom without there being a king, right? So we have Jesus as king. We have his kingdom also referred to in scripture as the kingdom of light. You have on the other side, the adversary, you have Satan who rules over his kingdom, a kingdom of darkness. And so it has a different method of operating than God's kingdom does. When you're talking about the kingdom of God, in essence, really, you are looking at God's way of doing things. He does it differently in his kingdom than what Satan does in his dark kingdom. God has different rules, different principles. You could even say he has a vastly different system. And so when you're talking about here, seek first the kingdom of God, actually what you're looking at is seeking out the understanding of how this kingdom operates. Here's the challenge. Even if you were raised in church, perhaps like myself, having been raised in church from a a child, we were raised with a lot of stuff that was really the world system being impressed upon our life and our way of thinking. And so even though we were in the church, we were functioning like those outside of the church. And so let me just give you an example. Maybe this will help you. An example between the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things, and the kingdom of darkness, and the world's uh, understanding of how they like to do things. It, it boggles my mind that here in America, I see all of these, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'm just talking from the North Carolina perspective. I, I know it's in other states as well. Here in America, in North Carolina, we have all of these liquor stores. Every town has them. If you have a larger town or larger city, you'll have multiple locations. And you have all these liquor stores selling, uh, you know, whiskey and alcohol and stuff like that. And they are owned by the state. And the state thinks, well, you know, we can do this because we can uh, open up these stores and we can create revenue. And this actually helps the state. Well, that's, that's the worldly way of thinking. 
from God's way of thinking and the way he operates, God sees it differently. God sees how many lives it destroys. God sees all the people that are going to be killed in car wrecks because of drunk driving. And God says, you don't have to get money this way. We don't have to have people killed and have people drunk and have men beaten up their wives and have families torn apart because of alcoholism. We don't have to bring money in to support the state and haul all of this death in with it. You don't have to do things like like this, but the world thinks, well, this is what we have to do. So can you see how there's two different kingdoms? One kingdom functions different from the other kingdom. And what happens in the church is sometimes we think we have to bring the world's methods over here and we have to do it that way because that's how they do it. But you have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son, which is a kingdom of light. Here's another example. I see this in my state. You probably see it in your state. And perhaps if you're in another country, you see it in your country as well. Here in North Carolina, we have the North Carolina official lottery. You can go out and buy a ticket and you can hope to win a lot of money. Well, there must be some kind of draw to the lottery or else so many people wouldn't play it, right? I mean, after all, how many people play the lottery? Millions of people. And sometimes you hear about these ginormous jackpots that reach numbers like 380 million, you know, 500 million and stuff like that. But, you know, honestly, jackpots of 50 million, 70 million, you're still talking really, really large numbers. So what is the attraction of the lottery to the thinking of the natural man? Here's what it is. The thinking of the person who plays the lottery is this. If I can just win, I know my chances are slim, but if I can just win, I can be relieved of this pressure of always trying to have uh, provision. See, mankind wants an escape from the pressure and the trouble of having to provide in the ongoing challenge every day and every week of, of maybe never having as much as you want. Even if you're above water, you, you still, a lot of people still think, I just, I still need more. I can't fulfill my assignment in life unless I have more. So that's the draw of the lottery. A lot of people think if I just win the lottery, I'll finally have enough money where I don't ever have to worry about money for the rest of my life. In other words, there's saying the monkey's off my back. This need for provision, I can finally be freed from it. Well, look at this. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first God's way of doing things. And you, you won't find God offering you a way to get ahead based on a lottery system. After all, if you have 40 million people playing it and only one wins, is, is that really fair? Is that really fair that all of these others lost and only one person walks away. Is that a, is that a fair system that no, that's a very, uh, 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 warped system. Well, that's the kingdom of darkness for you where everything is warped and crooked. And so when you come over and you begin to walk with the Lord, you begin to understand, well, this kingdom's very different and God's ways are very different. But here's the thing about the Lord. The Lord's ways are stable the Lord's system is accurate and the Lord's system will always hold you up. You get over here on this other stuff with the world. Uh, 
there's no telling what could happen to you. And, and we're not just talking also about your financial security because there are people out there in the world who have great wealth. But as Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't admire all of these multimillionaires and billionaires who aren't even saved. I don't admire them at all. I thank God for provision. I thank God that prosperity is included in the covenant, that God's plan is actually a plan of abundance. But I'll say this, I'd rather live on ramen noodles and, you know, Kool-Aid for the rest of my life and be poor and go to heaven and live for eternity and glory than live a short life on the earth of 70 or 80 years, be a multimillionaire or be a billionaire, and then die in my sins, lost and separated from God for all eternity and assigned to the place of punishment in hell, and then, of course, eventually in the lake of fire. So, really, this whole system of the Lord is a different way of thinking than that of the kingdom of darkness. So, when the Lord says, seek first the kingdom of God, he's saying, seek out God's way of doing things, because it's different perhaps than what you have been pre-programmed with, uh, especially if you're, let's say you're 30 or 40 years old and you get born again, you're saved, your sins are washed away. Well, for all of your life, you have been trained by the world. This is how you do things, but you come over with the Lord and the Lord's ways are different. The, the Lord says the tithe belongs to me. 10% of what you bring in belongs to me. And a person that has a worldly mindset, a kingdom of darkness, different method of operating mindset thinks, well, 10%, how can I get ahead if I'm giving, if I'm actually giving my money away, how can I get ahead? Ah, different kingdom different way of operating. And it's really based on faith, faith in God. If you'll work his word and work his principles, you'll fly. Woo. If you do what he says to do and follow the rules that govern his kingdom, you will find stable success. You will find increase. You will find blessing. And most importantly, eternal life awaiting you at the end of the journey. Oh, praise God. Glory to God forever. You'll, you'll love this life. You'll conquer in this life. And because you're born again, you just step over into the next realm and you, you are with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. What, what a, what a covenant, what a deal that God has made with us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I really do believe that the tithe is God's genius idea. The tithe of the people of Israel back in the Old Testament under the tabernacle and eventually the temple system was a method that allowed the priest and the Levites to work full time at the tabernacle, at the temple, in the service of God. After all, how can you have a holy nation if you don't have a priesthood? How can you have a true nation of God if there's not holy religion, right? So you need, you need the priest, you need the Levites. And so it was the tithe that supported them. Stop and think just for a moment. How did you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Were you in your room all by yourself? And an angel came and handed you a pamphlet called, this is how you may be saved. And you read it and became saved. Oh, I, I doubt that. Even if you did read a pamphlet, 
it was probably written by a preacher, right? Or maybe, maybe somebody that had a love for souls, or maybe you saw somebody on television, or maybe you read a book, or maybe you heard somebody on the radio. Uh, and the product of that was eventually because you heard the gospel, you were saved. Oh, but my friends, in order for that preacher to have preached, in order for that, that, that preacher to have written and to have composed books and to have been on satellite uh, television or radio, uh, these things are all upheld because of the tithing believers that freed up the man of God, the minister or the woman of God to go and do what God had called them to do. The tithe is amazing. It's God's genius idea really for global evangelism. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, I grew up in a country church, uh, a rural church, small church, uh, only about, you know, 80 people. But our pastor never taught us about the tithe. Matter of fact, he actually said that tithing was done away with. Of course, you don't see that anywhere in the Bible. There is no scripture in the Bible that says the tithe has been done away with. But when he, when he basically thought that finances were not spiritual, finances are not important, and that you don't need the tithe. I mean, he told the congregation that. He said, you don't need the tithe. You don't need to give. That really was something that shut that he actually he might as well have pulled a gun out and shot himself in the foot. It probably would have been less pain and suffering than what he had shot out of his mouth with his words because he got exactly what he preached. He wanted a poor church because he thought to be holy was to be uh, poor. Well, then uh, we were poor. I mean, everybody in that church was poor, and he did all of us a disservice. And I forgive him. I love him. He was a good man. He just didn't know. He was only preaching what he was taught in his Bible college. And that, that was kind of like the, the thought life of the church back in those days is that you're supposed to have poor, uh, you're supposed to be poor, not have any of this quote world's goods. And he, he'd stand up there and teach that. And he would, uh, he would receive the giving, you know, little baskets passed around the church. And I could see that basket when the elders brought it back up to the front, I could see that just from my natural understanding, it looked like to me, the basket's almost empty. I mean, maybe, maybe $60, in the basket. And now let me ask you this. How is a man with the wife and three kids supposed to live off $60 a week? Even if you will go back in time, 45 years, I'm watching this as a young boy, you go back in 40 years in time. How, how can anybody live off $60 a week? Well, that's called poverty level. Wow. And I, you know, all of us in the church, we were poor. I could look at the families that they had. I can remember, I remember all the men in the church. Cause you know, as, as young boy, you grow up and you get to know everybody and stuff like that. There were no wealthy people in our church. And we had the mayor of the town in our church. And, uh, you know, he never really had any money or anything like that either, but we loved the Lord. We just didn't know any better. I wish he'd have taught us to tithe. I wish he would have said, this is God's genius idea for world evangelism. And if you'll bring the tithe into the storehouse, we can reach this community. I can stay focused on what God has called me to do. Ooh, I, look, here's what I'm saying. I wish he would have taught us in essence, the kingdom of God. He didn't understand the kingdom. What is the kingdom? This is how God does it. The kingdom is God's way of doing things. It's different from the world's way of doing things. The world says in their kingdom that if you're giving away, you're actually losing. You're depleting yourself. You're depleting yourself. The world says, take care of yourself. Watch out for yourself. Don't, don't give. But God says, God says the tithe belongs to me. So by faith, bring the tithe into the storehouse. 
and also sow seed as the Holy Spirit leads. Woo, what a different kingdom. But this is the kingdom, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ that will stand for eternity. And when all the sinners are off the earth, and the earth has been, in a sense, cleansed and recreated, and we go past the millennium, and go into eternity of eternities. You and I will still be here, and this will still be true, and seed time and harvest will never, ever fail. And every skeptic, every liar will be gone. God's Word will still be true. God's Word is eternal. His kingdom is eternal. His truths are eternal. And if you will live by them, you will fly high, even in the financial realm. Praise God. Praise God. You will be in a place of more than enough. You will be in a place of abundance. I'm not saying God's going to make you a multimillionaire because really there is an element of faith where even Jesus said, be it according unto your faith. So if you, if you don't want to press forward with your finances, God's certainly not going to force you into it. But if you're willing to utilize the scriptures and work them and believe them, oh, absolutely, it will affect your finances. And you can believe God for an empowerment financially to make a great impact. Woo! Glory to God. Well, we can partner together and we can touch multitudes of lives. And we'll, we'll get it all figured out when we get to heaven because the angels are very good accountants. There's, there's actually a, a whole group of angels that are accountant angels. They're phenomenal record keepers, and every harvest that God has coming to you through partnership with this ministry, you will see it. You will see it one day. Glory to God, and you'll be glad. You'll be glad that you're a tither. You'll be glad that you are a sower of financial seed. Father, I pray for your people right now, that as they bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse, I pray that the, that the keys of your kingdom the method of operating, the eternal principles be revealed to them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. These ways of understanding may be new to some of you, but welcome to the kingdom, the kingdom of light. Welcome to the winning side. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. By the way, I do believe that the financial glory of God is coming upon his people financially, that God is even doing in these days financial miracles to make his people the head, not the tail. And it's for a purpose. It's not so that we can just sit around and, you know, say, well, I don't have to work again. I can retire now. Oh, no, no. It's so that we can really do what God has called us to do and send the gospel around the world and see millions. I mean that literally. I'm not just saying this like off the cuff stuff. I, I, I really mean that. I, I, I really want us together to touch millions and millions of people and even see millions one to the Lord and to see the Lord's church, which we're a part of, built up, made strong, edified, so that the church brings glory to the Lord. We have a very important part with that. After all, after people are saved, we just can't leave them there. They have to be taught, trained, equipped, discipled. That's, that's vitally important. If, if they're not equipped and trained, then the, it is very possible to uh, see people fall back into sin out of discouragement, they don't, the, the lack of vision, lack of hope. But no, we must equip them and train them so they have victory, 
and they finish their course and their calling in life and preferably are moved into a position where they are now discipling others. Praise the Lord. The tithe is God's genius idea. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, bless your people as they're bringing the tithes and offerings into the storehouse now. Bless them. Let your financial glory touch their finances. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456. Again, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina. Our zip code here is 28117. If you want to go online, even internationally, if you're in other countries, you can visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tides and Offerings, Sow and Reap. And that, that, that setup right there for you to give online is accessible all over the world here in America uh, or wherever you're at. You can, you can go there and contribute from any nation. It will accept your online giving and it'll bring it directly into the storehouse of God where we will continue to preach the gospel. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you excited today? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for your faithful giving, my friends. Praise God today. Now, I want you to take your Bibles and meet me in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I want to talk today about being zealous for spiritual gifts, and we're going to highlight one particular gift. As you're turning to 1 Corinthians 14, I want you to be mindful of our upcoming tour to Israel. The best of Israel, 2018, the dates are May 20th through the 30th. Here's what I believe. I believe that there are some of you, not only do you want to come, you're supposed to come. God wants you to come on this tour and you need to make sure that you take the time off, get it scheduled with your work, get your registration in, make sure your passport is ready because it's going to be here before you know it. It's only a few months out. So make the call today and get registered and signed up to come with us to Israel. The dates again, May 20th through the 30th, the phone number 1-800-929-4684, 1-800-929-4684, please select option two. And uh, this is a world-class travel agency. We've worked with them many times. They are extremely professional. Everything uh, on this tour, my friends, is the best of the best. You will be in comfort. You will really, really enjoy it. And let me say this. If you want to see a country that has the world's leading security. Come with us to Israel. You want to feel safe? Come with us to Israel. It, it really amazes me the misconception sometimes that Christians have concerning Israel. It's, it's like the way they talk. You think that bombs are going off, people are being killed everywhere, and it's, it's nothing like that at all. It is the most secure country on the face of of the earth. You've never seen security until you've come to Israel. I mean, look, I've been, I've, I've been on tour of the white house. I've been to DC many times. I've seen high secure areas. The moment you land in that Tel Aviv airport, you're going to know what security is. And it's just safe. The glory of God is over Israel. God is protecting the Holy land. God is watching over Jerusalem day and night. My friends come with me. 
to the safest country in the world, Israel. You're going to have a wonderful flight. You're going to have a wonderful time. I really, I, I really mean this. I don't say this slightly. I believe it'll change your life. I look forward to seeing you in Israel. Maybe I'll even see you on the airplane. Hallelujah. Praise God. First Corinthians 14. We're going to go to verse 12. Heavenly Father, open the eyes of our heart. Let understanding come into our inner man so that we can just see this and grab it and run with it. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Today we're talking about spiritual gifts and being zealous for them. Verse 12, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts. Now, Paul acknowledged that the church in Corinth talking to them, writing to them personally said, even so you, since you are zealous. In other words, the church in Corinth was zealous for spiritual gifts. By the way, I, I hope you are too. I, and my, my motive today is to stir up your desire. I just want to give you a glimpse in the short amount of time that we're together today, that when this is over, you're like, hey, I want this too. This, uh, now I can see why the church in Corinth was so zealous because this is, this is some incredible stuff. So I want to be able to say to you, since you are zealous, okay? So may that be something that's lit in your internal fire today, a zealous, a zealous nature for these gifts. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, what does it mean to be zealous? Well, it means to burn with desire, to have a desire on the inside of you where you feel heat, passion, and burning, that the gifts of the mighty Holy Spirit would manifest in your life. So to be zealous is to burn with desire. By the way, maybe you're mindful of one of the 12 apostles named Simon the Zealot. And so he was called a zealot because there was a, a branch of the Pharisees, uh, kind of like an offshoot of them, the, the, the mainline group of the Pharisees, you know, they didn't like them because they were too fanatical, but they were called the zealots and they had a tremendous burning zeal and desire to see the Romans expelled from Israel or the land of the Jews. See, Israel knew that this land belonged to them. God promised it to Abraham. And, and then of course, later David conquers Jerusalem and takes it from the Jebusites. And it now becomes the eternal capital of Israel forever. And you know, the zealots were like, Hey, this is our land. We have been occupied by a foreign nation, by a foreign army. And so Simon, it appears was a member of the zealots. In other words, he wanted Rome booted out of Israel. It's interesting when you do come to Israel and you're on tour and you see some sites, you think, why do I get the feel that I'm in Europe? This, this looks like I'm in Europe. Well, that's because of the influence of the Romans who brought their ideology, brought their architecture, uh, bought their philosophy into the land of Israel and thus tried to establish their way of doing things there in Israel. It never really mixed very well. Uh, and um, you, you see the overshadowing influence of Rome through the ancient evidence of archaeology that still can be visually seen today. So here we have the word zealous. 
in relation to spiritual gifts. I pray there'll be a burning fire on the inside of you for spiritual gifts. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts. Now watch this. Let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. This is a prayer that's almost impossible for God not to answer. I, I know he wants to answer it anyhow, but when you pray it in the right context, you'll touch the heart of God. A lot of people, they ask for spiritual gifts and that's good, but ask like this, father, I'm asking you for the spiritual gifts in the name of your son, Jesus, so that the church can be built up. Oh, did you see that? That is the core motive of spiritual gifts. Now I know that gifts that accompany an evangelist or gifts that will go along with uh, outreaches to the lost would be outside of the church, but the Lord wants the church strengthened. And when you're asking God for gifts so that the church might be edified, the word edify means to build up, to make strong. When you're asking for the gifts, in other words, Lord, give me these mighty gifts so that your people can see these gifts manifested so that they'll be stirred up in faith. And oftentimes out of this outpouring of the spirit, out of this dynamic power released by God, revivals can be birthed. I, I, I'm talking all kinds of things. Uh, Bible colleges can be raised up. You know, missionaries can be sent out. I mean, sometimes hundreds all at once, just because there was a mighty move of God, the power of God came down. The gifts were in tremendous manifestation. And the next thing you know, a whole wave of missionaries have been sent out around the world or a whole wave of Bible students have been launched out to go and do the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there is the building up of the church with the mighty gifts of the spirit. So ask God for the gifts of the spirit so that you can see the church built up that these gifts flowing through your life. They build up God's people because you'll, you'll see Christians that are weak. You'll see people that love God, but they, they need a touch from God. Okay. So God flowing through you with this spirit. And the next thing you know, that person is lifted up and they're back on fire again with the Lord. Their walk has been restored to the Lord. Why the gifts flowing through you. And so it brings edification for the church. So let this be the reason that you seek to excel, that you seek to excel. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the building up of the church that you seek to excel. There's a motive seeking to excel, to see the church built up. Now the word excel here in the Greek means to exceed a fixed measure. It means to go over and above. It means to abound. It means to have more than enough. Really what this is saying is that you really want to get really, really good at flowing in the spiritual gifts. In other words, going above just like a, maybe like a normal operation or just happens every now and then. No, get good at it. Get good at operating in the spiritual gifts. And it really begins with a zeal, a zealousness that God, I, I must have these God. I want this. I not only want it, I need it. I've got to have these operating in my life to give a full expression of Christ to the church. And even when there's opportunities to minister to the lost, I, I feel led of the spirit today to talk about one of these gifts. There's nine of them, but let's talk about one of them 
And I believe that you could, you could just begin to draw on the Lord, say, Lord, let this mighty gift begin to manifest in my life as well. Praise God. So before we go to this gift, remember, ask the Lord for these gifts, be zealous for it, a burning desire for it, ask him for it and ask him for these gifts so that his church will be strengthened and built up and then seek to get really, really good at these gifts flowing in your life. I'm going to give you a, f- a few tips, just a couple. I'm going I'm to give you two that will really, really help you. Two tips that will really help you to have it flowing on a very consistent basis in your life. We'll cover that uh, towards the end of this brief message today. Now, please turn back just two chapters to the left. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want you to go with me to verse 7. Praise the Lord. Praise God today. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Okay, so the manifestation of the Spirit, the Spirit of God coming forth and moving through you to work in miracle power. All nine of these gifts are on a supernatural level. You cannot put them on a natural level. I've heard preachers do their best to explain these nine various manifestations as they try to explain them as only being natural. For instance, they will say something like the word of wisdom. Well, that's just something that would be like a wise statement something that, you know, would give you good wisdom. That's that, but that's not what that is. Uh, they would mention like prophecy as being something as being a statement that encourages people and blesses people. That's prophecy. Well, that that's not what it is. Don't take away the supernatural miracle nature of these gifts because they're all supernatural and they're, they're the manifestation of the spirit. The manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the Spirit. Now, the word of wisdom always speaking towards the future, the word of knowledge always speaking towards present knowledge or past knowledge. This, of course, would be supernatural knowledge as well. The word of wisdom would be supernatural wisdom by the Spirit of God. Now, let's continue on. To another, faith by the same Spirit. This is not normal faith like I believe in the Bible. I believe that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels. I believe that Jonah was swallowed by a large fish. Uh, that's, that's faith in the Word, but this is a special faith that that is different. This is a this goes beyond your normal everyday faith where you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. This is a this is a supernatural faith where you are empowered by God to believe something that normally you you can't go there. You, you just you maybe you would like to have the faith for that, but you're not there. And some of these things where God could touch you, you could never get there in the natural. So he'll touch you with the spirit and such wild faith. I'm not, I'm not talking about like reckless stuff that doesn't work. I'm talking about real genuine faith will come on you. You could take a hold of God 
and believe God for something that normally you never could. Praise God. So that's special faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. Now, when we move into special faith, when we move in the gifts and he- gifts of healings, we're moving into what would be identified as the power gifts. You have three of them. So here's the third one. You have the working of miracles to another, the working of miracles. Now today I want to talk about the working of miracles. Praise God. The working of miracles. I think in the church today, we've gotten too, too comfy of almost like living without the supernatural. I know, I know there are segments within the body of Christ that are dialed in. I mean, uh, everybody's on it and everybody believes it and it's happening, but that that's maybe like 3% of the American church, whereas the, the other 90% uh, either doesn't believe in it, doesn't really know about it, or you have those that would even be considered spirit-filled churches, but the pastors don't teach on it. It's too risky. It might not look dignified. It might upset maybe some wealthy people in the church or dignified people in the church. So we're not going to talk about these gifts because we don't want to cast out any demons in front of people. Things might get sloppy or messy, and we certainly don't want to believe God for miracles because what if it doesn't happen then are we going to be embarrassed or we're going to be sued or something weird or goofy like that and on and on and on it goes all of these really areas of just backing off what actually belongs to the church praise the lord so if pastors will come before their people prayed up having spent time with God and uh, full of the word and come and minister, then it flows very smoothly. And it's not like you have accidents or calamities or anything like that. No, everything works beautiful. And when the church members also come together, prayed up strong in faith, I I tell you what, it's just very, very normal to have an atmosphere of miracles. And when when that begins to flow, suddenly all of this seems normal. It doesn't seem like something that's far off and weird and bizarre and something that only happened for Jesus, multiplying loaves and fish or something back in the Old Testament like Moses splitting the Red Sea and then the Israelites walking in between. Suddenly, all of a sudden, you're just like, hey, this this is normal. This is We're actually comfortable in this. So the church needs to reclaim what rightfully belongs to her and begin to really press in again into the working of miracles. Let's talk just a little bit about what it actually is. Working of miracles. The word working in the Greek is the same word that we get energy from. It's the word energeo. And even our our modern English word today, energy, is derived from this ancient Greek word. So it is the working of miracles. It is the energy of miracles. Now, miracles in the Greek is the word dunamis, and it's it's plural. Miracles also translated as powers. And dunamis, being a Greek word from where miracles is derived from, is also the same Greek word where our modern English word today for dynamite is derived from. So you could actually call it the working of dynamite, the energy of explosive power. That's what working of miracles is. It's the working of powers. It is the energy of dynamite coming forth. It's God flowing his power through you by the Holy Spirit for explosive, mighty power. Look, I told you, this is going to be something that you're going to want in your life. This this is why the, the Paul, having taught the church in Corinth about the gifts, this is why they were zealous. They were just like, 
wow, we had no idea. And when you find out this is something that belongs to you, that God gives gifts, these are gifts. You're like, wow, hey, this is free. I can have this. I don't have to pay any money. I just have to believe God and ask God. And yeah, you can have it. Yes. Yes. So today I want you to have a, an awakening for the gift of the working of miracles that God can do it in your life and that it can flow through you and that you also can experience this power, this mighty power flowing through you. Oh, hallelujah. The ministry of the Holy spirit is an amazing, amazing ministry. Now, the gifts of the Holy Spirit have been in operation throughout the Bible days. Back in the Old Testament, you actually see working of miracles taking place quite often. And you'll, you'll even see all of the gifts except for tongues and interpretation of tongues. Those two were added in the New Testament. In the New Testament, you have nine. In the Old Testament, you had seven gifts. But now we've got all nine. But even in the Old Testament, you had working of miracles going on very, very frequently. Think about the book of Numbers with Balaam, the person who had a very strong gift of prophecy. And he's forbidden by God to go and prophesy against the Israelites because the reason Balaam's wanting to do this job is because he's being offered money. And the Lord says, don't you do it because you know, the only reason they're giving you money is not to prophesy against my people, but to actually turn it and curse my people. God said, don't do it. Well, you know, Balaam having a love for money decides he's going to do it anyhow. And he's on his journey uh, to go about this job. And He's trying to get into a certain city, and the donkey that he's riding on uh, keeps disobeying him. And get, the donkey is disobeying so much that the donkey pushes against the wall, and in the process, Balaam's foot is stuck in the middle, and it just crunches Balaam's foot, and he gets so mad, and he's beating his own donkey, and the donkey talks. Pastor Stephen, what in the world is that? That's called the working of a miracle. A donkey actually spoke to his servant, spoke to Balaam and tried to explain to him what was going on. And then Balaam could see the angel. There was an angel and the donkey saw the angel and Balaam never saw the angel. And the angel was standing just up ahead waiting to kill Balaam. Wow. <laughs> and the donkey's getting beaten and hit and stuff like that and cursed at by Balaam. And Balaam doesn't even know the donkey's trying to save his own life. But yes, God can work miracles even through an animal. Remember, remember when Jesus told Peter, uh, Peter, tonight you're going to, you're going to deny me multiple times and the rooster is going to crow when you do it. And Peter's like, Oh no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, how many of you know that rooster was busy that night? Every time there was denial, there goes that rooster crowing out loud. And you, you think, you think if just from a natural perspective, people thought, why in the world is the rooster crowing? The sun's not coming up. What's up with that rooster? Well, the Holy Spirit came on the rooster. Look, if the Holy Spirit can come on a donkey, if the Holy Spirit can come on a rooster, I sure think that the Holy Spirit could come on you as you would yield and let God flow through you to build up the body of Christ and to be an expression of Jesus. Praise God. I mean, God came on a fish. 
that great fish that swallowed Jonah. It doesn't say that it was a whale. We're not quite sure what it is. We'll have to watch the DVD on Blu-ray when we get to heaven. We'll watch it back and we'll find out exactly what it is. Whatever it was, it actually took place and it swallowed Jonah. And then that fish swims around the Mediterranean Ocean. And when Jonah has repented and has made up his mind, he will go to Nineveh and preach. That fish actually lands on the beach vomits Jonah out and guess where Jonah's at he's right at the doorsteps of Nineveh so God led that fish to come and flop himself up on the beach right there at Nineveh Uh, that's God working through a yielded vessel working through a fish praise God what is that a working of a miracle you can only imagine what the people uh, that were down on the beach that they thought when they see this gigantic creature swim up, l- lay itself out on the beach, and vomit, and a man comes out. <laughs> you talking about free advertising. All of those people must have run into the city screaming what they had seen, a man coming out of a fish, wallowing in vomit, standing up and screaming, repent. <laughs> You're going to be wiped out in 40 days. Woo, hallelujah. Mm, who who needs who needs to be promoting on Facebook or Google when you have promotion like that? My friends, those things are working of miracles, way out of the bounds of normal of, of normal natural laws. Things that are way beyond what is contained within the everyday uh, scheme of life. Praise God! Look. We, we haven't seen enough miracles. We need to believe God and contend God, contend with God for miracles by faith, contend with God. Lord, do more miracles. Lord, this is our inheritance. Lord, we need miracles. Praise God. And I believe God wants to do this. What about David? When David stood before Saul and Saul said, Hey, look, you can't go face Goliath. Goliath has been trained for warfare from his youth. And this is not anything that you're familiar with. And David said, no, he said, I I can handle this guy. He said, look, he said, I've already killed a lion with my own hands. Now you think about that. David didn't have like a, a, you know, a, a spear or bow and arrow. He killed a lion with his own hands. And then he told Saul when a bear came, and took one of my sheep, I went after the bear and I killed him. Well, back in those days, uh, lions and bears used to exist in the land of Israel. And they did up to about the uh, 1200s when the crusaders, uh, they came and uh, killed off the remaining ones that were, that were in the land. But look, that's, that's the working of a miracle. You've got a teenage boy and he kills a bear. I, I personally, I, I'd be more intimidated by the bear than I would the lion. I, I know lot, the lion is powerful and vicious, but the, the brute strength of a bear, and he killed both of them. What is that? That's not normal. That is the working of a miracle. God coming on him, the Spirit of God coming on him, working through him to do what normally you couldn't do. Praise the Lord. How about the guy in the Old Testament that when you think, working of miracles and you think you think extreme level you probably think of Samson right because Samson also was going on a journey and he was attacked by a very strong super healthy 
young lion. And this thing attacked Samson, and it actually says that he took it and ripped it to pieces. It says the Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he tore it to pieces. See, there's, there's different anointings, different anointings. When Daniel was placed into the lion's den with all of these hungry lions all around about him, he was there all night long, and not one lion touched him. And the king comes the next morning to see if he's still alive. And Daniel says, yes, I'm still alive. The Lord sent his angel. And now see, the angel came and just closed all the mouths of the lions, made them all content, made them all just happy and peaceful, let them lie down and, and be calm. But you know what? There's different anointings. I have a feeling that if if it were not Daniel placed into that lion's den, but it had been Samson placed into that lion's den, we would have had a different outcome because Samson probably would have torn those things into pieces. <laughs> but see, there's different anointings, different anointings. And Samson walked in the gift of working of miracles. And it happened over and over and over and over again in his life. Matter of fact, Samson went to a village called Lehi. Lehi in Hebrew means jawbone. It means cheek. And it was there the Philistines thought they had him. Samson was delivered to them all tied up. And the, this epic event goes down at Lehi. And the Philistines thought, we've got him now. But the Spirit of God came on him. The working of miracles came on him, and he broke all of those strong ropes they just fell off of him. They just snapped. This is this Superman type anointing. This is like stuff from another world. And he picked up a jawbone. Uh, he's just trying to compliment the picture. Okay, you guys want to do this to me in Lehi? You want to you want to mess with the anointing of God at the place of a jawbone? Well, I'll pick up a jawbone and I'll teach you a lesson that you'll never forget. <laughs> and I I think that if this had happened in a place called toothpick, Samson could have picked up a toothpick and killed them all with a toothpick. But he's going to oblige them. They want they want this to happen at the place called jawbone. Well, let's make it a memorable place where everybody really will recognize this place as the place of a jawbone and this is a fresh jawbone obviously the donkey has died just recently and so he picks up the uh, the jawbone although it's dry there's still moisture there's still marrow in it and he uses that thing by the way just google sometimes uh the image jawbone of a donkey and you'll realize wow that's a serious slain device it can crush cut mutilate, sever. You can use it if you go this way, blunt force trauma. You swing the other side this way. Uh, you're probably going right through somebody as with a severing effect. So let's rewatch that one one day when we get to heaven because that would be a head-flying, decapitating-type situation. I mean, that was brutal. He killed a thousand men. This is not fictional. This is not uh, an allegory. This is real. With the jawbone of a donkey, he killed one thousand men. There were. This was skull-crushing power. <laughs> you can just imagine the Philistines. You know the the soldiers saying, "Kill him. He's just one man. Kill him." 
as wave after wave of men, battle-trained men, pushed upon him with their swords and spears, and they're, they're just getting mutilated by him. Wow, this is, this is power on a level they have no ability to deal with. This is God's power coming on a man, the working of miracles. Hallelujah. Samson operated greatly in it. Matter of fact, after they had captured him, because he gave his anointing away, and he's now reduced to the level of humanity, just like anybody else. And he's in a place now of great regret. But in that prison, guess what happened? His hair began to grow back. A sign of the anointing, God's covenant with him began to come back because he was a Nazarite and he had defiled his covenant, but he repented. And that anointing begins to come back. And one day, the lords of the Philistines said, let's have a great feast to celebrate our God, Dagon, who has given us the ability to triumph over the Israelites' God, Jehovah. So they said, let's make sport of Samson. So they bought him out. And, you know, he's blind. His eyes have been gouged out. And they said, let's make sport. Now, all the lords of the Philistines were watching. And you had over 3,000 people on top of the temple of Dagon watching Samson basically having to make an idiot of himself, whether it's juggle balls as a blind guy or, you know, they just degraded him in front of them. That's, that's exactly what they did. And they made sport of him. And so they think, they think, Hey, we're having a great day. So Samson told one of the young servant boys after they'd made fun of him and degraded him, he said, look, take me over here by the two main supporting pillars that are, that are the load bearing pillars of the entire temple and let me stand in between them. So that they took him there and you know, he's all chained up and everything, but he puts his hands up on those pillars and says, God do it one more time. So I may have vengeance on my enemies for what they have done to take away my eyesight. And he said, Lord, let me die with them. Look, look, he's about to move a weight that's probably about a million pounds. If you've got 3,000 people on top of you, 3,000 people, multiply that by their body weight, multiply that by the stones that are up there as a second level supporting platform, and he is about to push about a million pound weight. If he had not prayed, Lord, let me die with them, he probably would have lived through it. All these giant slabs would have fallen on top of him, and he just could have pushed him out of the way. I really wish he would have prayed for the restoration of his eyesight because I believe he was a good judge. We don't see any records of his actual judging, but he, he judged the whole nation for 20 years. And the judges during that time were not just judges deciding legality cases and, you know, helping people decide tough matters, but they were also the spiritual leaders. He had a very rare, unique anointing, but he said, Lord, let me die with them. And he pushed and he pushed with such phenomenal power, the whole place collapsed, and he killed all of them. He killed more that day than he'd ever killed before in battle. Powerful, powerful stuff. What is that? Working of miracles. Phenomenal power. Superhuman, out-of-this-world strength. Praise God. Praise God. We need this anointing back in the church today. See, this, this same anointing, same Holy Spirit coming on Jesus, multiplying this little bitty basket of loaves and fish. And now it's feeding thousands. Uh, it's feeding 5,000 men alone, maybe 20,000 people in the crowd. You put all the women and the children, you have this little basket this big and you, you feed 20,000. 
thousand people out of that and it just kept going it just kept going until everybody was fed everybody's full everybody's like wow i can't eat anymore wow what is that working of miracles working of miracles jesus opening blind eyes the mute speaking the deaf hearing the dead being raised deformities being healed farming injuries being made whole oh praise god praise god we must have this back in the church again praise god i'm contending for the lord with the Lord for a greater anointing of the working of miracles in my life. I, I'd like for you to ask you, uh, I, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord for this gift in your life. I've seen it happen many, many times in my life and in my ministry, but I, I'm not content. I want greater manifestations. I remember one time when I was uh, ministering in, in a church service, I was the pastor of a church in Southern California, and I was playing the, uh, the keyboard. And I was getting ready to go up and, and minister and preach, and the anointing came. The, the anointing came into our, our place, and my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Jennifer, had a cyst right here on her wrist that was bulging out uh, like, a, uh, like a rubber ball. And I knew exactly what to do when that anointing came. I said, I, I said Jennifer, I said, hold up your hand. And I said, Lord Jesus, remove and dissolve that cyst now and it just evaporated i mean it just whoop, instantly went away a cyst that you could push it with your thumb and it just felt like a rubber ball in there just gone just gone it didn't move somewhere else it's completely gone out of her body and it's been 20 years and it's never come back praise god what is that working of miracles instantaneous miracles right before your eyes where everybody in that meeting could watch it and see it with your eye just see it leave instantly praise god that's the working of a miracle i was ministering one time and there was a a a woman in the meeting her name was jennifer and she was blind she was paralyzed she was demon possessed and she had she had other problems as well and i prayed over her and the anointing of god went into her body and the next day they brought her back to the meeting and now she can see now the paralysis is completely gone she walked into the meeting and she had been demon possessed but she was completely set free she had been a muslim but she, through the experience of God's great uh, power of delivering her, she had yielded her heart, and she had received the Lord as her Savior, and was also filled with the Spirit, all at the same time. How about that? What is that? That's working of miracles. Working of miracles. Praise God. I was in another meeting one time, when that working of a miracle anointing came on me, the energy of dynamite power. And I just knew God wants to do something. And I just looked around, who needs a miracle? And a young girl said, I need a miracle. Her whole hand, excuse me, not her hand. When I, when I say hand, I mean the arm. The entire arm down to the elbow all the way up through here was covered with cysts and tumors bulging out all over her arm. Now, you can only imagine that if you went to a doctor, the level of surgery, something like that would require to remove over 20 cysts and tumors and, and the recuperation time and uh, uh, just the, all the pain to go through something like that. I, I, I grabbed her arm. I said, everybody look, maybe, maybe 500, 600 people in the meeting. I said, everybody look, in the name of Jesus, and boom, everything disappeared. Everything 
right before all the people. Every tumor, every cyst dissolved, gone instantly, just boom, dematerialized. What is that? This is the working of a miracle. <laughs> oh, these things are wonderful. These things are wonderful. One time I was praying for a young man who had flat feet, medically diagnosed with flat feet. Plus, of course, some things you don't need a doctor. You can just look and say, yeah, his feet look as flat as a pancake. There are no arches. They did not exist in his feet. And I went to pray for his feet. And when the working of miracles is an operation, there's a great boldness that comes along with it. I said, everybody watch. Don't anybody close your eyes. I want everybody looking. Watch the power of God. I said, in the name of, and before I could get Jesus out, he already, he already did the miracle. Just arches form, perfect arches in his feet. Wow. Just too much fun. Too good. Just instantaneous. Woo! Miracle working power. Dynamite. That's what it is. I've been thinking about the word dynamite this week. This is God's dynamite, explosive power. Suddenly God moves. Suddenly God moves. This is a gift. This is a gift that can just turn things in a moment where a service could seem flat, people, God's people can be so discouraged. There can be an atmosphere of unbelief, but one explode. Look, if somebody threw a stick of dynamite into the meeting and the stick went off, (laughs) don't you know that suddenly everybody's awake? Well, of course, everybody may have their ears blown out, but everybody's awake. If there's a dynamite going off, but one explosion of God's dynamite power in the meeting, suddenly, suddenly, everybody's full of faith. Suddenly it's on praise God. So this is a gift that we need to believe God for with greater, greater manifestations. Hallelujah. I have had deaf people. I'm talking about deaf from birth have never heard anything in their life be healed in my meetings and suddenly be able to heal, uh, be able to hear, be able to hear with an ear that all of their life was death. Praise God. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, especially as they're trying to understand the sound and, and, and music and noise. And it's amazing to see the expression on the, their faces. I, I've seen people that have been mute, have never spoken before, healed by God's power. There was a young girl uh, one time in another country that I prayed for, just touched her, instantly healed, mute all of her life, couldn't speak, couldn't speak a, a word. And just minutes later, Jesus, Jesus, and then, and then just speaking Oh my goodness, it's amazing. It's amazing to see God's miracle power. I've also seen God do uh, financial miracles for people as I've prayed for them. And I'm, I'm talking to people that haven't even supported my ministry, have not tithed or haven't never even given an offering, haven't never given a, a penny, but yet they will come and I can, I can pray for them. And that anointing comes, they can receive miracles. So there's different levels of miracles, not just different levels, but different there's a wide spectrum of what working in miracles can touch, not just bodies, but minds. I'm talking people with messed up minds. Maybe their minds are fried on drugs and you know, uh, the mind is not functioning right. God can do a working of a miracle in somebody's mind and even change their brain structure and put things back together again and bring healing and cleansing over a person's mind. Absolutely. God can things in bodies. God can do deformities, there are, there is God's miracle power to do a miracle for deformities and things like that. See, all the gifts have a different assignment. Gifts of healings is different from working of miracles. 
some things that God can heal with a healing anointing, that healing anointing, it won't work on something that needs a miracle. And if you're praying for, a, uh, I, I knew that was going on one time in a meeting where uh, the evangelist was very excited. And he said, I just believe God can do this. And, and, uh, and he asked me to come up and pray with him. And th- th- there was not a, an anointing for miracles, but he was all excited and even asked some other ministers to come up and everybody's praying. I- I'm not really praying because I know it's not going to happen, but I'm, I'm just going to stand there. I'm not going to detract from their faith or try to discourage them, but boy, they're praying for this guy and they're praying and they're sweating and they're perspiring and they're praying and nothing happened. Just like I knew nothing was going to happen. Why? He didn't need a, he didn't need a healing. He needed a miracle. And what they're all trying to do was something that only a, a healing anointing could touch. And I'm like, you know, I can't, I can't just flip this on. Now it does happen. And when it happens, it's flipped on. I'm, I'm looking to exercise it, but I knew that what was flowing that night was a healing anointing. And what that man that they're all praying over needed was not a healing. He needed, he needed a miracle. Praise God. So, uh, he didn't get his miracle. Praise the Lord. So you need to understand what's needed. You need to understand how the Holy spirit is manifesting and, uh, stay in a, in a, a proper flow. So when there is though, a flow or an anointing or a manifestation of the spirit for miracles, then you need to, by faith, step into that. Many of these gifts, if not all of them, they, they, they work the same way in the sense where you might just have a small initial leading, but you have to take that and step forward with that. And then out of that, something will begin to come forth. That is the full picture of what God wants to do, but sometimes he'll only give you a little bit to just to get you going and you have to go with that. And then it begins to open up. Praise God. Praise God. God wants to do miracles in your life. Believe God for miracles. Believe God to uh, make your body whole. Praise the Lord. Maybe you've damaged something in your body and you, you want God to make it new again. Maybe somebody, you've damaged your vocal cords. Well, God can do a miracle and give you your vocal cords back, full strength, full power. Maybe you've damaged uh, like your, your lungs or something, maybe through smoking for a long time. But God can touch you with his miracle power and give you brand new lungs. But you need to believe God for this. You need to ask God for this. And you also need to ask for this gift. So this gift will flow through you so that you can be a blessing into the lives of others. I have found, let me give you a couple tips. I have found that this gift, working of miracles, works primarily for me when I can get my hands on it. Okay praise the Lord. Now, if I can't get my hands on it, let's say Elisha and the, the ax head that's fallen into the river and it's out of sight. We can't see it. So we can't get our hands on it. Okay. We need still a point of contact. So he cuts off a branch, lays his hands on the branch, throws the branch into the water. Now, the next thing you know, is the old King James version says the iron, the iron uh, is floating and swimming. I like that. Praise the Lord. Maybe that ax head was doing a backstroke. Well, we know it just means that uh, uh, primarily the ax head just came to the top, iron rising up miraculously at the top. Oh, now they can reach out and get it. My friends, if you can't get your hands on it, 
look for some other form of contact where you can still connect your faith with it. That's what you do in cases like that. But for the most point, I need to be able to get my hands on it and pray over it. If I can get my hands on somebody that needs a miracle and they come to me, they need a miracle. I can lay hands on them. I can release that anointing of miracles, working of miracles over their life. This is dynamite power. And I can, I can release it. But many times I've got to be able to get my hands on it. I've got to be, get, be able to get my hands on it. Praise the Lord. And so you'll find that will really, really help you. Somehow be able to get your hands on it. Whether you go to it or they go to you, touch it and release that mighty explosive dynamite power of God and watch what God will do. Number two, number two, ask God for this gift. This is a rare gift. I, I will admit that. You, it's not like we see working of miracles all the time, all over the place. Uh, it is out there. It is manifesting. It does happen. But my, my friends, ask God for it. Say, Lord, you know, this, this is a phenomenal gift. And remember, it, this is a power gift. You have three gifts that say something, three gifts that reveal something, three gifts that do something. The gifts that do something are the power gifts. So, this is like, in a sense, being handed a stick of dynamite and, and being entrusted by God to use it because the Holy Spirit will come. He will come. But my friends, you ask God for it. Say, God, give me this mighty gift. I'm beginning it right now to smell cinnamon. Praise God. Father, that is a witness of your spirit, a supernatural fragrance that you are pleased with this and that you're going to bring this hot gift forth. This is a hot gift. See, cinnamon is hot. Cinnamon oil will burn you to pieces. Lord, bring this hot gift forth in the lives of your people. And even as a witness, let many of your people now smell this fragrance of cinnamon in Jesus' name. And let them step forth into the gift of the working of miracles. Praise God. Somebody, you have a deformity. Something's bent in your body. There's arthritis. There's, there's the um, seizing up of the fingers. If you have that condition right now and you're feeling the anointing of God, hold your hands up. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, let your miracle healing power touch them now. I command those fingers straighten out, be made whole. Arms straighten out, be made whole. Locked up shoulders, locked up body parts. Release now by God's miracle power touching you now. Stretch them out. Stretch them out now in Jesus' name. The glory of God's here. Stretch them out now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I've seen locked up backs straightened up as I have prayed for people with that miracle working anointing. I've seen legs where one leg is shorter than the other, sometimes inches shorter than the other, come right out as the hip and the entire body line up, and then it's heel to heel, perfect alignment. Praise God. There are many, many different ways that the Holy Spirit manifests this gift, but you need to be looking for a way to release it when that anointing comes on you. Praise God. Ask God for it. Ask God for it. Now, this gift will also come forth very smoothly without any fear or strain. Also, 
as you step out into it, it comes forth very smoothly when you do, when you do some fasting, just throw some fasting into your life. Maybe you just want to fast one day and drink juice. That way you have your energy for work and you still do a good job at work. You're not taking anything away from your employer. You're, you're working, you're getting all your work done. You have a lot of energy, but you're also praying and you, you're not eating food. And so what will happen is when the spirit of God wants to minister, it will seem very, very easy for you to just to slip into it. And normally the, the intellectual uh, thoughts of people or even your own thoughts, it would say, Oh, I, I don't want to do something that's disruptive. I don't want to do something that might, you know, uh, might not work that, that, for some reason when you fast and pray and that anointing comes, you don't even think about uh, these hindrances. You just go, you just go, can I pray for you? I feel the anointing of God. Can I pray for you? I'm a Christian and I believe God's power will heal you. Is it okay if I pray for you? And there's a wisdom that comes when to do it, a wisdom that comes when not to do it and the anointing from the spirit. And when you have green light from heaven, you go boom. And that, that, that dynamite power, boom, is just released. And you praise God, you rejoice. And then you just go on about rejoicing in the Lord for his great and mighty power. Lift your hands. If you want this gift, lift your hands. Father, the apostle Paul talked about how he desired to release a gift when he saw these precious saints. And so father, I'm seeing your people now and that through the internet, there can be impartation and release. And I asked that the gift of the working of miracle, uh, the working of miracles, the energy of you, O oh God, release through dynamite power, that this gift be released to your people. Now in Jesus name, receive now in Jesus name receive hallelujah hallelujah now father we thank you let this gift come forth for your great glory for the building up of the church the edifying of the church father let us excel in this gift let your people excel in this gift go above average go beyond normal in this gift thank you father God thank you father God step out step out when God opens the door step out ask God for it seek God for it fast pursue it. Let there be a zeal, a fire on the inside of you that says, I want to experience God's dynamite power. He'll give it to you. I believe there has been an initial deposit. I believe your fire has been lit. Now don't let up. Take a hold of God. Seek him with all of your heart and watch how God will respond and allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you with dynamic power. Father, we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Let us take communion now and let the Holy Spirit seal this word in your heart today. Glory to God. Th this is a choice gift. This, my friends, is this is a heavyweight gift. And God can operate this gift through you. Hallelujah. You don't you you can be a lightweight who operates heavyweight. Do you see what I'm saying? This is not based on a PhD. This is not based on a college education. All those things are fine and good, and many times even necessary pertaining to your career calling. But this is something that is to those that are hungry. This is this is for those that that in the eyes of God, God sees a hungry person that wants to bring in glory. God sees a hungry person that says, Lord, use me. Lord, in my own ability, I have nothing. But Lord, in you, oh God, through you, great things can be done. Oh God, touch me with your power. God sees the hungry heart. God sees the person burning with zeal. 
I believe your fire has been lit. Now seek God for this mighty manifestation of your spirit. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, God can flow it through you. Yes, yes, He will. Praise God. Be sure to give Him all the glory. Please, together with me and the church family gathered together around the world and ministry partners and ministry friends, we're believers in Christ. Please, let's take communion together. Join us today. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Father, we pray over it. We bless it. We sanctify it. It is consecrated and set apart. It's holy. This is now the flesh and blood of Jesus, our mighty Savior, the head of the church. Father, we thank you for his body. As we receive his flesh, we believe your word. We believe 1 Corinthians 12, 7 and 10 are for us. That's for us. We thank you, Father God, let us experience and taste the powers of the world to come. In Jesus' name, we receive his body. Now, let us partake. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God's healing power is touching somebody's neck right now. And there's also a new anointing coming on you, coming over your shoulders. Woo! God's healing power is all over you. Praise God. Receive. So there's a healing anointing flowing now too. A fiery, hot healing anointing. Move your neck. If you've had an accident, if you've had um, an injury in this area, whiplash move your head around as God's power touches you now in the name of Jesus ah, I bind and break the power of that injury of the damage to your neck be healed in the name of Jesus you'll feel fire you feel the God's power take this by faith and if you're not feeling anything but you need this take it by faith even without feelings and God will heal you by your faith in his powerful word God's touching you now God's touching you now Praise God. This should be normal. The gifts should be normal. Praise God. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. These things are all in the covenant that was made possible through his shed blood. He poured his blood out for us, O oh God, on that cruel cross of Calvary. Shed every drop of his blood that we could receive eternal life by putting our faith and trust in him and receive forgiveness of sins. God, thank you for this new ministry of the Lord Jesus operating in our lives. Thank you, Father, for the gifts that Jesus said you will do the works that I do and even greater works because I'm going to the Father on your behalf. Now, Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit whom Jesus has sent living in us and coming up on us like Samson, like David, like the prophets of old, and Father, like, like Peter, operating the great signs and wonders like Jesus, like so many in church history who have moved in dynamite power. Thank you, fathers. We drink this cup. We agree with the new covenant that this belongs to us. In Jesus' name, let us now receive the holy blood of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Many of you watch me, you're in the Catholic Church. You're in the body, hallelujah, because you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
Ask God for these gifts as well. Ask God for working of miracles. Glory. Glory. When you go into that zone, when that power comes on you, you don't even care what atheists think. They could be standing around watching. You could care less what skeptics and agnostics think. It doesn't even phase you. You just go in that power and God moves. It's amazing. It's amazing. Jesus operated right in front of doubters, that pe- uh, uh, people that hated him, that wanted to see him fail, and he just operated in miracles over and over right in front of them. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, this power is so strong, everything else backs off, backs off. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. God's going to flow his power through you. Praise God. Now, we need to be believing God for miracles as we pray for others. And we also need to believe God for miracles in our own lives. Believe God to do financial miracles in your life for his glory so that you can give more, so that you can have financial deliverance, so you can be blessed, so you can have a testimony, so you can know personally God's great power. Believe God for money miracles. Hallelujah. And make sure that when God does a financial miracle that you tithe, that you bring the tithe into the storehouse of God. And get happy, sow a seed on top of it too. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we thank you. Please raise your hands with me to the Lord. Father, we thank you that you are the mighty Jehovah God and that you give gifts. You give the nine gifts of your spirit to the church. We thank you that the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Father, we thank you for the gift of the working of miracles, the dynamite power of your spirit. We thank you, Father God, we receive your your Holy Spirit and this great work, and we welcome this gift into our lives. In Jesus' name, into our churches, in Jesus' name. Father, be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go and seek the Lord for the gift of working of miracles and walk in it, flow in it when God opens the door and you'll see the dynamic explosion of God's power that you desire to see. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.